you may have seen her in the background here. She's fine now. She, but uh, yeah, I saw her on the back of your chair just yeah. a few moments ago. Yeah. yeah, and 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 as it as it turns out, Trouble is uh, you know, she's a she's an executive producer on the podcast. So, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she just donates money and then gets to come along for the ride. She does. She totally does. Yeah. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Webline, a podcast about Spider-Man and his amazing world. Here we discuss all aspects of our favorite web-slinger in a fun, informal, but informative forum. I am your humble host, the Spidey Librarian, and today we're going to talk about the most iconic and enduring Spider-Man stories over the six-decade run of the character in a segment I'm christening Spidey Reads. Spidey Reads will be cover the stories from the comics that readers have loved, organized by genre, theme, and quality. I had the opportunity to hang out with my friend Dan Gavazdan, one of the creators of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, and we had a chat about iconic Spidey stories, a few webtastic tangents, and our overall shared love for this character and his amazing world. I'll be playing that talk for you when we get to the main segment. I know you're going to love it, so stick around for a fun Spidey Reads discussion. I'm well aware that this topic may encompass far more stories than we can cover in just one episode, so don't fret if one of your favorite Spidey stories isn't covered in this episode, and don't be surprised if I label this segment with a Volume 1 or a Part 1 suffix later, as I may well revisit this topic in a future episode. In the meantime, if you believe a story not featured in this episode should be, just shoot me an email at spideylibrarian at gmail.com, and I will consider it for later. But before we do a daring dive into our timely topic, it's time to dish on the latest spiderific developments with our knockout news segment, The Bugle News Flash. All right, for our first news item today, uh, Spider-Man freshman year is still in the works. Uh, we heard about this particular show on Disney+. Plus. It looks like it's going to be an animated Spider-Man show. It's set in the MCU, but it looks like it's going to be like a different multiverse within the MCU because we have Norman Osborn in the mentor role and a whole bunch of other characters that otherwise... I don't think we've seen in the MCU or we've seen vastly different versions of it. Polygon Pictures, a Japanese digital animation studio, has announced its involvement and they are clearly very excited about it. This is the first bit of news we have got on this show in a very long time. They have also released a logo. I, to, to be perfectly honest, I don't think it's very different from the one that we have already seen where it's written, uh, it's the Spider-Man logo written on a piece of notebook paper. If anything, there's just less going on with it. In previous iterations, I've seen the logo, plus like a drawing of Peter Parker. This is just the logo, and it looks fine. And they, you know, they went ahead and uh, went to the public and said, you know, we're working on this. Here's the logo. So that's encouraging news. I know that we are in the midst of a writer's strike and the SAG-AFTRA strike now. Looks like the all of the uh, people that are 
working in front of and behind the camera are now striking against the network executives. So it may be a while yet before we get this show and many other kind of movie and TV or streaming productions. And I'm okay with that, but it is encouraging in the meantime to see an update on this particular show, which we just hadn't heard about in so long. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is, of course, even more likely to be delayed now. This mostly comes on the heels of the announcement of the SAG-AFTRA and writer strikes, but also it has already been discussed and, and, and just commented upon how little has already or has yet been done on Beyond the Spider-Verse. And now with this added to it, I mean, personally, guys, I don't think we're going to see any of that show or that show. I don't think we're going to see that movie until 2026 at the soonest. We will see. A little bit of pre-production has started, but so little that it's just not even worth commenting on. So Tom Holland has actually spoken recently about not only his mental health, but apparently how he he has recently gotten sober. Um, apparently for a while, uh, I guess 2022 was a, was a, a very kind of, what's the word, boozy year for him. Or maybe it was 2020. I don't remember. Anyways, he has essentially, um, he's, he's been sober for a while now, but was apparently not able to function for a while without a drink. And as someone who, you know, as, as th someone who is probably facing pressures that I am never going to understand, I'm not going to condemn the guy for having a drink or having, you know, defense mechanisms in place to deal with it. But I am glad that he is getting... Uh, the help that he needs and seems to be getting it and seems to be doing really well. So I wish him the best of luck and hopefully we will see more from him again <laughs> after the writer's strike and the actor's strike has passed. We'll see. And for our final bit of news, apparently Spider-Man is part of Marvel's Trick or Read event in October. They apparently are going to be reprinting Amazing Spider-Man 3, which features Tombstone. It's the, uh, it's the Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. comic. And apparently this is an event that takes place in October that is basically uh, free comics to kids around Halloween time. So that one is going to be featured. And it, again, it is a reprint. So it's, you know, I, I don't know how strongly collectors will feel about this item. But I'm going to probably try and get a copy myself just, you know, just because. All right. And that is all the Spidey news for this week. Welcome to the first edition of Spidey Reads, a none-too-formal discussion of the webhead stories from the comics and their influence on readers and other media. Spider-Man has over six decades worth of stories chronicling his adventures, and it's always fun and illuminating to talk about how the stories resonate with the popular culture in various ways. For this first installment, it makes perfect sense to talk about the most iconic and influential Spidey tales, and for such a discussion, I can't think of a better partner than the Amazing Spider Talk's own Dan Gavazdan. 
Dan and I had the opportunity to get together and go over some of the big stories that came from the Amazing Spider-Man comics. What follows is a wide-ranging discussion covering the comics, the films, the animated shows, and our own impressions and influences from the media from which these stories grew. It was a truly wonderful time, and I'm grateful to Dan for being able to take time from his very busy life to hang out and talk about the big Spidey stories from that comic with me. We had a good time and about an hour's discussion, so enjoy the episode, and I'll see all of you on the other side. So for this portion of the show, I am really excited to introduce Dan Gavazdan of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. Dan has very graciously agreed to come onto the show and just kind of talk with me about some of the most iconic Spider-Man stories. And uh, I'd just kind of like to say at first um, that uh, Dan and I go back uh, almost a decade at this point. I started writing for his, I believe at the time it was Superior Spider Talk website. Yeah. Um, and that was done in conjunction with his podcast. Uh, um, if you are listening to my podcast, I imagine you already know about his, but The Amazing Spider Talk, which that also went a rebrand too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the It was originally The Superior Spider Talk for about 33 episodes or so. And then, you know, following that series and then, uh, yeah, I guess when we started, we didn't, we, we, we thought highly of ourselves, <laughs> you know, in an auto Octavia style. And, uh, we were the newcomer evil, uh, uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> on the scene. And now we are in no way newcomers, but, um, and, and we didn't really know that we were going to do this thing. It was kind of an overnight success. Like uh, Mark and I had no intention I think the quote is, he said, if I'm doing this in five years, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I think we just saw an opportunity when the book rebranded to go, wait a minute, why are we going to have people listen to superior spider talk when we could just be amazing spider talk? And the website, you know, lasted many years under the superior banner longer than, Amazing. I, I believe there were, was a large portion of time where the website was superiorspidertalk.com, but when you went there, it said amazing spider talk. Yeah, so, I remember. Um, I remember there was a little bit of a we'll call it cross pollination. Yeah, but yeah, sure, no, you can I, call it that, or so, or you could say like I was learning as I was going. Um, yeah, so and much of what. Go ahead. I was gonna say rebrands take time and effort and 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 money. <laughs> You know, yeah, they do. They do. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of building the ship while it was sailing, you know, like I, I had never really, I mean, I'd done podcasts before, but building out like an, uh, a website for people to write and multimedia and then tr having to move all of that. I, I had never done anything like that before. So it was all an experiment. And I was really thrilled to have like what, what Tony isn't saying is you know, like I just put a call out for people to come join me in this silly empire of, I, I thought at first covering Spider-Man comics when there were like two books a month, you know, and then it quickly became like a whole line inside the Marvel line. Oh and yeah. I needed, like, yeah, there, there were so many B titles. And, and I ended you up know. covering, I think silk for most of my run on, on yeah. your website. 
But um, I also did a couple of articles. Like I, uh, I think one of my favorites was the, I think the the top ten Spider Man vid- video games that were out by that point. And, I remember uh, that piece. It still does good numbers for us. I oh, will wow. be honest. Okay. Yeah. I I will um, probably do a podcast episode on that at some point, but uh, yeah. I think I think for now I'm going to wait until um, Spider Man Two comes out. So it'll be a few months. But but yeah, I also remember. Um, covering what was it spider-man unlimited and do you remember when (laughs) i'm sorry when you asked for someone to cover spider-man unlimited and i and i said are you talking about the animated series that didn't do so well (laughs) and then you were like no no there's a new game and i went and looked at it and i'm like uh yeah i'll I'll cover this so hey i got addicted to spider-man unlimited oh. uh, i gotta i i gotta be honest uh w- when those servers shut down i was like free of like a of an addiction yeah oh i'm still mad about it i want that game back <laughs> i know right i mean it's it was a good game it and, was. anyway um yeah i mean so like, like i said T- tony came on and like i didn't have any money so like he was doing it out of the kindness of his heart so you know, like, uh, you know, I, I think you even got some placement on some silk trade paperbacks. So like, that's cool. You know, you got your quotes did I? pulled. I didn't know that. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, cool. Yeah. I mean, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go I mean, Google and find eventually, them now. <laughs> yeah. Eventually it became like a little mini empire before it got shut down. But um, Tony was one of the first people to sign up for that silly experiment in covering comics you know, oh, in I, a had, way that I had a lot. Almost of fun. no one does. So I had a lot of fun, and uh, and 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 you know, I was really uh, I was really honored to be a part of it. So, but yeah, Dan and I go back uh, a little bit of a ways, and um, we occasionally reach out and contact each other, and just kind of touch base and see how how the other is doing, and you know, we even kind of ask each other, I'd probably do most of the asking for just insights and advice on doing things like creating content. So, um, but uh, in in today's segment of the podcast, we are going to talk about some of the Spider-Man stories that we believe are the most iconic. And um, I think for this particular edition of Spidey Reads, um, it's we mostly kind of went over the amazing Spider-Man. So, uh, Dan, I would like just to I, I would like for you to start it off and I would like for you to just tell me of the stories that you looked over, which one to you is the single most iconic Spider-Man story? I mean, I don't think there's really any um, I don't think there's really any arguing against like amazing fantasy 15 is the most iconic spider-man story here's how iconic amazing fantasy 15 is (laughs) it has been adapted so many times that they don't even they didn't even need to adapt it in the mcu they were just like you already know it like like it is so seeped into pop culture that we're going to just assume your knowledge of it now i don't know how great uh of an assumption that was you know given that they then later kind of figured, well, we got to turn this series into a three movie origin story for this character. Um, you know, eventually they ended up doing their own version of amazing fantasy 15 yeah, over three movies. They did. But like, as, at first they were like, we're not even going to do the uncle Ben stuff. We'll allude to it. And you guys fill in the blanks, you know? Um, so 
I, I don't know if you can get more iconic than literally already in everyone's brain. Um, it <laughs> is know, a but... ridiculously famous story. I mean, so many people, even people who are not professed Spider-Man fans, they can just, they can recount the origin story in their, you know, in their sleep, forwards, backwards, and, and you know, probably in different languages, too. That's how steeped into the popular culture it is. And yeah, no, I agree with you. That is, whew, that, that is one of those stories that everyone is going to know about for a long time. Um, it turns out that, like, do you, this, this is a little bit of a uh, tangent, but do you remember your, your first real memory of, like, Spider-Man at all? Like, the, the I suppose it, oh, it's more man. accurate to ask the memory that got you into Spider-Man. I, I mean, I, I have to imagine it was something to do with the 90s animated show. We're seeing, I couldn't tell you the moment that I knew of the existence of the character of Spider-Man. Um I can tell you, I can tell you what mine is very quickly. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It is very much about um, the origin story. It's from, I think, Spider Man and His Amazing Friends. I think it's like season three, episode eight. It involves Mysterio has just like, you know, they've, they've fended off uh, an attack from Mysterio. Aunt May is in the hospital. Peter is being all guilty. And the this I think this is the point in the show when he finally tells Iceman and Firestar about his origin. And I could not have been more than, I don't know, five or six at the time when I saw this. And he, you know, he tells pretty much the story of Amazing Fantasy 15. And I remember even as a young kid going, wow, that is heavy. <laughs> And that pretty much cemented the wall crawler into my psyche as one of those, you know, one of those heroes that I'm never going to forget. So, um, so yeah, you're, you're right. That is an absolutely iconic and, you know, amazing, uh, story. And I think that is, you know, you, you can't ask, ask for a better, uh, start than that to this discussion. Um, I mean, I, you better hope the first story is iconic because mm. that, everything springs from there. So Yes, indeed. Um, one of my favorites to talk about, um, what, this is kind of one of the stories that I go to when I'm convincing people to, like, you know, if, if they're like, well, I want to read Spider-Man, but I don't know where to break in, you know? And this is probably not the best answer, but to me, this is just like an amazing story because JMS is ridiculously talented. And sometimes I remember watching episodes of Babylon 5 and going, God, I, I hate this man. He's so talented. Um, but it's the it, it's the Moreland arc. It's the coming the first, home. Yeah. Yes. And and oh, my God, is that a good story? Because not only does it call into question like the exact nature of his origin story, but he's presented with a foe that not only backs that theory up, but that he has to fight in a way that he has never really had to fight before. He, he, it's just someone who does not tire and only by really thinking outside the box and embracing, you know, his identity as a, for lack of a better term, a science centered superhero, is he able to finally, land a winning punch on this enemy and take them out. Um, I really thought 
you know, I, I guess I really like our heroes being put through the ringer. And I feel like that was done in a very immensely satisfying way by JMS with that initial arc. What, what, what did you think of it? Oh, I mean, that's one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, I, you know, they, Marvel's not great about printing their old stories, uh, like from whether it be in the middle of the run or start of the run, you know, I they work tend in a to library. Reprint. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. They tend to print a lot of the like Lee Dicko, some of the Ramita run over and over and over again, ad nauseum and fair, you know, fair be it. Those are classic stories. Um, but if were it up to me, I, I would put coming home on um, eternal rotation. I, it's such a great, you know, kind of it's not contain self-contained and yet it is. You could really get those. I know it ends with Aunt May standing over Peter's body oh. as his costume is in tatters and it begs you to keep reading. But really that Moreland remove that little tag at the end and you've got a great just standalone story the challenges the characters, you know, place and introduces him in a new setting. Um, but the funny thing is, as much as that is out of print, you know, I, I must be the number one purchaser of this book because I have bought <laughs> it for at least a two dozen people. I bought that book for anytime anybody asks me like, hey, I want to read Spider-Man. I do exactly what you said. I, I buy a copy of that on Amazon and send it to them a used copy. So like, I, I think I am like the largest market for coming home. Uh, specifically, if you haven't read it, it's amazing. Spider-Man volume two issues 30 to the 35. Yes. Um, and it's a w wonderful arc. And, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, if people ask me, like, I want to get into modern Spider-Man, I put, you know, them on that. I mean, like Dan slots run would be great too. The introduction to Horizon Labs in, in big time is mm -hmm. also a great place to jump in. But that one, even that one is a little even more steeped in like the complications of comics history and minutia and um, canon in a way that like the JMS run is not. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I mean, uh, whatever list we're making here, like coming home is, is a, is a, like, is it the best Spider-Man story ever written? I I think I could make a pretty good argument for that. Um, if you're looking for a modern Spider-Man story. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I mean, so much of JMS's run, I remember reading and going, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is really good stuff. It It's exactly what a modern Spider-Man, a, a modern approach on the character should be. And, and, it, and weirdly it's become like modern and timeless because we're talking about a book that's, 25 years old, you know, mm -hmm. at, at this point. And, uh, I think is still, I mean, obviously there's a lot of dated references in it, but it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's become cl classic and yet still feels like the freshest take on the character. Weirdly. Okay. Uh, what, what about, what about another iconic Spider-Man story? Um, I guess, I, I guess, mean, well, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, like in terms of iconic, like it has to be anything that's been adapted to the movies, you mm -hmm. know, like Spider-Man, no more, all mm -hmm. of Spider-Man two is that, you know? Yes. So like, you know, th like the, the Raimi stuff is straight out of the comics. So like Spider-Man, no more to me is, you know, the, the next most obvious one. 
Um, I, I guess it, it, Amazing Spider-Man 33, which is called If This Be My, My Destiny, um, has technically been adapted more than Spider-Man No More has. has but that? I would say, yeah, I, um, I, I think you've got You've at least got a reference to it in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. You've got it in the video game has like the big lifting stuff. Okay. Yes. I mean, I would say there's elements of it in, in Raimi's trilogy, you know, in, in bits and pieces here and there, but yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I I do feel like, like Spider-Man no more has the more iconic imagery. Oh yeah. Um, that's been reused like straight out of the panels, but, um, yeah, those two those two books from the Dicko and Ramita uh, era of of Spider Man are are probably secondary to Amazing Fantasy fifteen in terms of like iconography. I certainly remember um, Spider Man No More like being adapted by Spider Man Two, of course. I wanted to say weren't there, and I guess this depends on whether or not you count media such as the cartoons and everything as well. But like, wasn't that adapted in any of the cartoons as well i i i, I want to say know yes that it's been, but i'm i am sure it's been adapted but i don't i can't think of anything that's like quite as direct as spider-man 2 yeah you know like we agree. all know the image of the costume in the trash in can the garbage can yeah and and someone's gonna scream at me right now that it's in the spectacular Spider-Man show or something like that. <laughs> you know, like I, I I I'll be honest, I've not watched a lot of that show. Um uh oh. I know it, oh. you know, but I, I would say I'm old, but I know you're older than me. So uh, you know, I, I just oh, yeah, that's happen right. I happen, <laughs> happen to miss miss that. My hairline doesn't uh sells a different story, but <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, has it been, has it been adapted I uh, directly in that way? I don't know. Actually, I mean, the thing is I've watched spectacular Spider-Man and I, I can't recall. Um, but it seems like something that show would do. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it did. Um, no, it's, it, it definitely did a kind of condensed here. So some of Spider-Man's best, milestones and then it changed the order and you know adapted them for for what was the 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 present day then but i i can't recall that one oh well i'll say like you know if we use across the spider verse as any you know uh, indication like what are the canon events and you know uh if this be (laughs) my destiny is a canon event so you know like it gets that it gets that bump what did you think of the concept of canon events being put into that movie I know it's a tangent, um, but I have to ask. Well, uh, I have no problem with the idea of canon events because I think they're going to ultimately tell us in the third movie that there is no such thing. Yeah, I and, kind of agree. Um, and, I mean, it's it, it spelled out pretty bluntly in the movie that, like, Miguel is wrong. You know, like, whether he's factually wrong he is spiritually wrong, right? Yes. Like you, and you've got the, the, you know, parallels with all the characters, right? Like Gwen is confronted by her father in the beginning of the movie. We're going to get into spoilers for this movie. So, <laughs> you know, it's been um, over two weeks, people it's been over two weeks. You, you yeah. Know. I think that's safe. Um, and the whole world has seen it by now for the most part, but, and if you're listening to a Spider-Man podcast and you haven't seen it, 
uh, it's an odd an odd Venn diagram. Okay, but, all right. Um, I'm gonna take a jab and go. Says the man who has not watched Spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, um, I host a Spider-Man podcast and have not watched Spectacular Spider-Man. If my you, problem no, is really right. with all the spider people signing on to yes this and electing to be agents of destiny um i just don't believe i mean like it's clear why they did that with the movie they wanted to elevate miles um as the protagonist and right but i think they regressed a lot of the characters um in the process and i i think there was a better way to handle it um, it's probably my biggest gripe with the the film. I I I I don't mind it so much myself, but I also think that, kind of like you said earlier, I feel like they're going to course correct in the next movie, which is which which is why I agree with I I listened to your review of it and I'm like, it, it I loved it so much I might have loved it more than Into the Spider Verse, but I ultimately I don't think it's quite as strong a movie because. Um, it can't really stand on its own. And, and I, and I feel like that is one of the big things that really does kind of like it, it relies so much on what has happened before and what's going to come after that. It's, you know, um, like into the spider verse can exist on its own. No problem. You know, well, thematically, we don't know what it's trying to say yet. Like you, you and yeah. I could say like, we think it's going to subvert it and all evidence points towards that it's going to subvert what it's saying in the first film you know, right. or in this film, you know, right. but uh, we, we don't know yet. And um, the, the idea that it comes out next year is ridiculous. So oh, uh, yeah, I think there's... we, I think we've got two, three, four years before. Yeah. We get there, there's already been so. a lot of news about, yeah, that next year is not going to happen. I've, I've, I've seen it and I kind of agree just based on everything I've heard. Like, yeah, no, this is going to take a while. Um, but yeah. Okay. All right. Going back to the comics. <laughs> um, let me think. Uh, another one that I really like um, is it's, it's kind of a, it's not even, I don't even know if I'd call it a one shot because it's like half of an issue. Um, but it's during Roger Stern's run. It's the kid who collects Spider-Man. I think it's like number, what is it? Two. 248. 248. I, I, I like to say 238 for some reason, but that story well, that's, a, that's a good issue too but Ooh. uh <laughs> yeah that story really packs an emotional wallop in a very short space of time and um i really was surprised the first time i read it i'm like like i can understand spider-man going to see a kid who is in the hospital um but i'm like why this kid and then he starts talking to him and then like he takes off his mask and everything and i'm like why are you doing this for this kid? I, I get that, you know, and then the, of course, you know, in the final line or the final page and the final panels, they basically hit you with this, this kid has, you know, like terminal leukemia or something like that. Yeah. And that's that he's, correct. Yeah. and that he's not going to live more than another couple of weeks. And, and it, you know, then you go back to that line where the kid says, I'll keep your secret for the rest of my life. And it's like, oh, man, why did you do that to me? You know, but um, that's the story that's actually been adapted, I think, at least once. Right. Yeah, there was a version of it in the 90s show with uh, uh, young Timmy is replaced by a young girl. Yes. Um, 
I don't remember it being quite so blunt about um, her death, um, but uh, it, it is it is there. Um, and we, there's been a variety of different adaptations of that story. Um, yeah, that's a special one to me. It's one of the first Spider-Man stories I ever read, and oh, um, I find nice. it really special. And Ron Friends is a friend of mine. Uh, he's the artist on that. And we did a episode fairly recently where um, I got the original script for uh, that story from Roger Stern mm -hmm. and the original art, the pencils, and had Ron Friends um, take us through it page by page how he constructed and adapted the script. So <laughs> that was a cool episode. And um, I even have an uh, art on the wall back here. Uh, where I had Ron Friends drew uh, a missing page from the story where Tim shares his comic book collection with Spider-Man. Oh, um, nice. And so that I, that proudly hangs on my wall, oh. and uh, it's a cool thing. It's like page... 7b is what he wrote you know so you have you have um, no you have no idea well maybe you have some idea of how jealous i am that you're able to say all this <laughs> yeah it's a cool thing and uh ron's a really nice guy and and um you know uh it, it's a classic story that um never fails to you know make me choke up a little bit and um i haven't read it now that i'm a father i i've kind of steered away from it and no oh, i you know yeah. i'm i'm kind of like curious how it i mean i've read it so many times you know but some pieces of art just hit you differently you know different stages of your life and so right. it's yeah. nice to put them down for a while and pick them up and see what new insights or uh, impacts it has on you no that that makes a lot of sense and uh i i i don't i don't know i don't i don't know if i have ever gotten to a point where there's a particular story that i you know can't read or don't want to read for 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 um you know for for life change reasons but I certainly read a lot of stories and see things from a different perspective that I may not have appreciated in the past. And so I can definitely understand. I mean, um, are you, uh, I don't know, were, were you, were you aware about the issues with my, with my cat trouble recently? She was, she was really no, sick. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, she was really sick. Uh, I think in February of this year and, um, we couldn't figure out why, and she very nearly died, and um, I had to put her in an animal hospital for two weeks. And oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was um, it it was I it, it was an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, I don't know you you may have seen her in the background here. She's fine now. She but uh yeah, I saw her on the back of your chair just yeah. a few moments ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and and as it as it turns out, trouble is uh you know she's a she's an executive producer on the podcast. So, um, but uh, <laughs> she just donates money and then gets to come along for the ride. She does. She totally does. Yeah. And yeah. she um and and so when I when I was going through that, um, there were certain episodes of certain shows that I had a very hard time watching. Uh, there was a particular episode, I think of star Trek, strange new worlds where, uh, the, the doctor character, 
Um, you find out that he his daughter has some kind of terminal condition and he has to keep her in the transporter buffer and bring her out for five minutes at a time and stuff. And like watching that when like, I mean, I don't have kids, so trouble is probably the closest thing I have to a child right now. Yeah. And so like watching that really hits hard and, and, um, you know, I had a hard time watching any movies or shows like where any of the pets die for a while, you know, I get it. I get it. So, I, uh, well, I mean, speaking of emotional resonance, like, uh, the reason I have a son is because of, uh, into the spider verse. I mean, there are other reasons, but wow, like, that is that kind of awesome actually. <laughs> yeah. That, that movie, um, I go to the theater and I, 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 I saw that movie two months before it came out and uh by myself and didn't didn't know what to tell other people because it was like did i just see the greatest thing ever made <laughs> by human hands you know and is anybody gonna believe me that it's that good but um you know i had been wrestling with the decision to have a child for a long time you know mm -hmm. it's not exactly a friendly world for kids these days or anybody and yeah um, the future looks, you know, increasingly bleak and, you know, there, there are questions about like whether or not you, you know, want to subject someone to that or whatever. And, but also like, you know, I'm a high school teacher. I don't make a ton of money. And, you know, there's this idea of like, will you ever be ready to, you know, take on that responsibility and, um, whatever, whichever way you go. Cause I think it's a responsibility to either have kids, don't have kids, whatever. And, uh, you know, my parents had always told me like, Oh, there's, you're never ready. You're never ready. And right. My read yeah. on that was like, yeah, but I'm also never ready to get hit by a bus, you know, <laughs> like, like that doesn't mean it's a good thing, you know, like, like, like there, there are better times to get hit by a bus, you know, like, uh, I, I mean, maybe there's no good time to get hit by a bus, right. but, um, you know, it was just not what my brain needed to hear in terms of like encouragement. Yes. Um, but then I saw this movie and it had it this at its core. I mean, both movies are very much about parenthood mm -hmm. and um what what it means to like be be a father, be a son, be an uncle, whatever it is. You know, it's about relationships and, and that's what makes them really strong, I think. You know, like they could they could not be about Spider-Man and they would still be wonderful. It just right. happens to be about Spider-Man. And maybe that was the like sugar that I needed to get to take the swallow the pill, you know. But like when they say the line about it's a leap of faith, and Miles is like holding Peter over that abyss, and and it sinks in for Peter, a person who didn't want to have kids because of the responsibility and his fear of it. I was like, this movie is speaking directly to me, you know? Yeah. And I just started bawling in the theater. And, um, you know, I, ha I actually have like that uh, uh, artwork of, of that scene uh, behind me on the wall because it means a lot to me. Uh, and uh, it reminds me uh, of that, you know, choice that I made and now have a beautiful son from. But, uh, it is amazing how much like art can really speak to you if you're open to hearing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then in the sequel, of course, Peter tells miles, like I had a kid because of you. And I was like, Oh man, like that, <laughs> that's me. Like, you know, uh, uh, anyway, like 
I imagine you're going to be cosplaying Peter B. at some point for a while. Oh, it's it's perfect. He's overweight. I've got a belly now. Like you know, it's it, it's dad bod superhero. I don't even have to like. I can wear I can wear uh, sweatpants like and a superhero costume. It's perfect yep. for me. I, nobody nobody wants to see me in spandex, but they'd be fine with me in spandex and sweatpants. So you know, like it all works out. That's, um, that's awesome. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's, that's the reason why people, you know, create content, make podcasts or YouTube videos or that they write or anything, you know, because if it's, if it's good enough, if it gets to you at the right time, art, um, in, in any medium can, can be very life changing, you know? And so, uh, yeah. And, and I mean, these stories have definitely had, um, an effect on me and, and, and you, of course, I mean, I, I, I hope that, I hope that your son appreciates, uh, how, how cool a dad he is going to grow up with, you know? (laughs) Well, I don't think he's going to think that, but I, I, I appreciate you saying as much. I just hope he wants to keep all of my ephemera because there's way too much of it. (laughs) And, uh, and he's going to have to like, you know, make a decision someday what to do with it. But, uh, uh, for now, we're, I'm hoping that he he and I enjoy it together. Um, you know, th- they do print all the Ditko stuff, like I was saying earlier, yeah. over and over and over again. And, you know, I got a nice copy of them for him. And I hope that, you know, when he's old enough, we can sit down together and maybe read it together. And, and I get to see it through his eyes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which I think will be really fun. You know, Yeah, no, uh, I think so, too. You guys yeah. can watch. You guys can watch the cartoons together. You know? Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'll finally watch Spectacular Spider-Man because of my son. You that, know, like that'll be the that'll be the thing that gets me to like commit. I I I, I will be I I will be very excited if and when that day comes. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, really, it's just that like I started it, and then the show has me doing all kinds of other stuff, and so I never got back to it, and now I'm like waiting for the season of our show where we are going to cover it so i'm like i'll just wait till then to watch it um so that's fair that's completely fair probably a mistake on my end but you know what (laughs) that's my rationale and i only have to justify it to myself you know if as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror right yeah well (laughs) i had trouble with that for other reasons but you know what if i can pin it on spectacular spider-man maybe maybe that'll (laughs) maybe that'll solve some of my problems yeah so are there any of the stories um, that we've kind of made notes about and, you know, listed that that you think are iconic and worth knowing, but all but at the same time, you also kind of might be like, God, this is hard to read or I hate something about this story or anything like that, like that, that give you a little bit of a conflict. Oh, well, that's tough. I mean, for me, I think, I mean, let's go back to like the Moreland saga, okay. you know, the, the coming home story. Um, I think it's a perfect story on its own, but it also introduced like the idea of like tot- totemic powers, which then led to like the idea of the spider verse and the web of life and destiny and mm-hmm. all spider people being 
the chosen one and that's like that's not jms's fault you know like, <laughs> but like uh, but like i other people I piggybacked kinda, on it though yeah I, as much as i like the spider-verse movies clearly they mean a lot to me mm-hmm. um uh i don't like the idea of destiny being attached to the spider-man character which again like i think across the spider-verse does that in order to say like no this is not something that this character should ever be associated with you right know? yes but in the comics for a long time now we've gotten a lot of like destiny chosen one spider-man stories you yes. know like even just recently we got the end of the spider-verse where you know peter is literally called like the chosen one you know and i just don't think that that's a good fit for the character like i love a lot of the ideas of spider-verse and a lot of the fun of the original spider-verse but i just don't like it as a spider-man story uh-huh so like i reread uh coming home and i love it and i can divorce my mind from what came afterwards you know but there is now it is i think a little bit tarnished you know by that even Moreland himself a great kind of villain villain of the week for that story you know like we never needed to see this guy again and now he gets trotted out fairly regularly as a big bad and you know every spider-man villain is you know kind of goes through this cycle of like uh, how do we need another green goblin story you know like i thought right. he died in the 70s right. you know um it's it's just the part of uh, uh that spider-man story never ends and so everything gets revisited and in some ways tarnished you know craven's last hunt is his last of several last hunts, I know. You yeah. know, like, yeah. So, and I, I think some of those are really good too. Like I like some of the follow-ups to, to last hunt, you know, uh, does it tarnish the original kind of, A yeah, bit, I can't, yeah, I can't deny that. Um, so I don't know that like, it like gives me any dread to read those stories, but like, I do think like, well, like for especially for coming home, I'm like, this is the thread that started the sweater that I don't like that I think right. is ugly, you know. Um, and if you tug on it, it all comes apart. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, perhaps because like JMS ended his whole like run with the whole idea of this thing being like, and I won't go into the details of it for those who haven't read it, but like he basically like questions like, is it is it magic, fate, and destiny, or science that brought spider-man to the world and his end his his final declaration on it is believe what you want to believe it doesn't matter you know and like i'm fine with leaving it at that like that's really a simple thing that i don't have to think too hard about like for me i like the science you know but mm-hmm. if you like destiny cool like more power to you it's just everybody that came since is like no no actually really what he meant was it's definitely destiny <laughs> you know like uh so and then anyway. you'll eventually get a team of writers that decide, no, 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 it's you know, like yeah, it, 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 yeah. I think I think some people do it better. Like Zeb's run right now, I really liked uh, mm-hmm. what he did with the this idea. Like he put Spider Man into like a a world of symbology, and it tied totems in there, and it made it into like you know, like the the spider is the symbol of 
you know, uh, like weaving and webs. And so therefore the spiders are the, the, I was like, okay, like you're taking this back to something less concrete and something more like, you know, uh, oh, I could kind of believe it if I want to. And, um, I was like, okay, like, like that threaded the needle better, you know, without discounting all the stuff that slot added and stuff. So different writers are going to have different approaches and some of them are going to work for you. And some of them aren't plenty of people don't like what Zeb Wells is doing. So, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, take it or leave it, you know, <laughs> approach. I, um, I am subscribed to one YouTube channel. It's called casually comics. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Tell um, me about it. The, uh, the, the host, uh, she, she talks just like, she reads plenty of Marvel and DC and she has a lot of, she does a lot of video reviews and she has a lot of insights about just like various characters from, from those, um, from those publishers. She recently did an, an essay on Spider-Man that I really liked and, um, that it's, it's, it's a perennial argument among readers but it's the idea that spider-man needs to grow up basically mm-hmm. and and i feel like a lot of what you were touching on kind of uh you know it, it kind of relates to the idea that there's this eternal now or the, or you can call it the elastic timeline or, or whatever you want where these characters kind of reach this nebulous age point in adulthood and then they don't age any further and because of that a lot of the types of stories that are told about them get recycled you know and so i feel like a lot of the beats that you mentioned for instance with with coming home like i you know there i i feel similarly about for instance the venom saga i think the first like couple of stories with venom were really good they were amazing i loved them so much i really felt like you know, Peter and MJ were both really scared. This was a guy that had it out for him. He was immune to his spider sense. He's a great villain. And then, um, you know, it was like, okay, now we're going to bring him back because people love him, you know? And then he, he just, he, 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 he became a victim of his own success. We had some overexposure. We get carnage eventually. And it's just like, you know, we're trying to top ourselves over and over again. And it's like you're telling the same type of story over and over again. And, you you know, if you would let the character, if, if you would let him grow a little bit older, if you would let him undertake things like fatherhood and stuff like that. And and so Casually Comics, like, kind of addresses a lot of these themes in, in her essay and... um. And I just, I don't know, I was really like, it, it's something that I had been thinking and feeling, but hadn't really seen put into, you know, fairly concrete terms. You know, I, I know a lot of people argue about this stuff on the internet, and I try not to do as much of that anymore. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it was kind of one of those discussions that I was like, you know, yeah, I agree. And I'm glad I'm not the only person who feels this way. I think I think the trouble with Spider-Man in particular is that um, they aged him up and then they decided to de-age him. You know, oh, like yeah. they 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 had kind of they had they had kind of been progressing the character for so long, and like Marvel was right, they have to arrest his development at some point. You know, like he, I mean. They don't really have to, right? They could let him age and die, and da, 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 da. but that's not 
in their interest, you know? Right. So like you lock a character in at a certain point. I don't think anybody really cares like how old Batman is because he's kind of like settled on where he's going to land. You know, like he is like a man in his what, like late thirties, early forties that has a bunch Probably, of like, yeah, like early twenties and younger people that are, that he is mentoring, you know, like that's where Batman is going to stick, you know, outside of a few, you know, different directions that ultimately take him. Like, you know, maybe they'll kill Batman off. Some, they're not going to kill off Bruce Wayne. He's going to be around forever. <laughs> and, you know, and the stories aren't really, you know, interested in that, you know, like, uh, Spider-Man's a little different. Like we watched this, the growth of this guy. And then we suddenly, they decided we're going to move that growth back, you know? Yeah. They, they pruned and, it basically. Yeah. And I don't necessarily disagree with that choice. Like, and they tried dozens of times to do it, you know? And that it just eventually they had the cojones to say, no, this is for real. You know, like uh, Ben Riley was the first attempt to do it. You know, like right. we, we can have our, we can have our cake and eat it too. We can have a Peter Parker that's married and moves to San Francisco with his wife and kid and et cetera. And we have a Peter Parker that's Ben Riley in New York. That's young and, and single and yada, yada. Right. Like, right. And ultimately that was probably the best choice they could have made, but they just didn't like decide to go through with it, you know, and they've kind of been circling that choice eternally because they're being pulled in these two different directions with the character. And now they're in a double pickle because they've got miles who is the young Spider-Man. And mm -hmm. it's like, why why are we even kidding around anymore like yeah uh, I, I i feel like i feel like you know peter is kind of at the point where we could put him in you know if not a father role a mentor role you know i so, would be very curious uh because i do believe that there will be a point in the next 10 years where miles morales is the spider-man that comes to mind first Oh yeah. Um, I think so. Yes. Uh, I think kids are already moving in that direction. Um, and I think these miles movies are, are going to cement his legacy even further. Um, and I think at that point, the comics will just kind of have to naturally explore that. And I think they are headed in that direction. I think issue 1000, we're going to get a reunification of Peter and MJ. Like, I think they're, I think they're, they are, slowly working us towards the destination that everybody seems to want them to go. Um, but it's, it's, it, it's a tough decision. I mean, you're talking about like an iconic character, like Marvel is in the business of protecting that character. And they thought it is, you know, in their best interest to keep him youthful. Um, and I've disagreed with it, you know, like personally, but I get it. I get the desire to do it. Oh no, I I do too. I just you know, I I guess, um, I guess I feel, I I guess I feel like a lot of the pruning back, um, was, uh, how to how to put this diplomatically. Okay, fine, I won't. It was creatively cowardly, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 I guess I'm thinking of one more day, especially when I when I kind of speak about that topic. But like, you know, um, it it just kind of felt that not only did you have someone make a decision that I feel that he w- wouldn't have actually made because he, he he failed to live up to his mantra at that point, um, but you know, you just had the uh, what I what I like to call the Diablo ex machina of it all, and I was just like. I mean, I wasn't even a big fan of the marriage at that point, but I was an even bigger critic of how they decided to end it. I was like, that that's not how you do something like that, you know? Well, well I mean, to put a pin in it, you know, I think like No Way Home actually shows that um, One More Day is a good story in search of an ending. <laughs> like, I, I, it, it, it is the first, it's the, it's the opening chapter of a really good Spider-Man story about mm-hmm. him, like, having to make the ultimate choice you know like all spider-man stories are you know like good spider-man stories are often about choosing between two imperfect things right like i could get the girl or i could save the town i've got to go dress up and leave her here on the you know like and i'm going to be sacrificing something right and like one more day is a pretty like elevated sacrifice for the character you know but there's no redemptive moment, you know, at, at the end of it, you know, and um, I think that's like, I don't think they should restore the marriage. What I do think is they need to give that arc its conclusion. I thought that's what Nick Spencer was doing. And I still suspect that's what he was doing before he left to go to Substack, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like we saw one more day in No Way Home. Yes. And it works there because it has a dramatic conclusion, yes. you know, like to his choice. Um, I, I, so. I like that. I like that perspective on it, actually. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it is if you use that story as like a setup, you know, f- with a redemptive arc that, yeah, no, I, I, I would have far fewer issues with it at that point. So, I mean, Peter, Peter making a mistake. Or like, you know, I, I don't know if I would call him acting selfishly in that moment. Like, it's pretty selfless, you know, to be like, I'm willing to give up my marriage to save my aunt's life or whatever. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know how you judge something like that, you know, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know when the devil gives me that choice. But <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would say like, you know, Peter making a mistake is at the heart of all of his, you know, best stories, I think, you know, and then it's about how does he recover from that or how does he choose to change his life in some way? Right. You know, like Dan Slott's run is all about like, no one will die because I let Marla Jameson pass away, mm-hmm. um, you know, or and and all of Dan Slott's run echoes that you know, idea. Right. So like one more day is just like that. It's just, um, yeah, again, there's been no, there's been no follow through on like what that means emotionally for Peter and MJ who at this point aren't even aware it happened. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, well, comics is nothing if not a soap opera in print sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, 
let's let's do let's do one more a piece um well well so so actually let me oh. say that like uh, on that point okay you know we we're talking about how many times like uh like you know uh spider-man no more or if this be my destiny has been adapted but if we really want to talk about iconic stories one more day has now been adapted into oh, yeah. a very successful spider-man the, the maybe the most successful spider-man movie um and so one more day is now officially one of the most iconic Spider-Man stories. Oh yeah. I like, definitely will not. I, I definitely won't debate you on that, but I, I agree. Yeah. I have major issues with it, but I, I, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, they adapted it and they adapted it really, really well in a way they, they adapted elements of it, I guess is, is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, Can a story be so iconically bad that it is ultimately iconic. <laughs> I mean, can it transcend the bad so that it reaches iconic? I, I like it. I like it I a mean, lot. Infamous might be the better word. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to end my contribution here on the, uh, on the story the night Gwen Stacy died. Um, this is the this is a story that arguably ended in a comic book age. Um, there are there are some comic book historians who say that the night Gwen Stacy died was the end of the Silver Age, and it's a good story. I have read it. Um, I like it, um, and and it made me sad, but. It's one of those stories that I do have a conflict with in the sense that, I mean, I'm, I'm never happy when someone dies, you know, um, but like Dying Wish is still a good story, even though Spider-Man technically dies in it. That's that 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 isn't the issue um, for me. The issue is I, I found out why or at least I remember reading why Jerry Conway decided to kill off Gwen Stacy and that kind of that, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I was like what specifically that he was bored uh, with the character? Yeah, that he was bored with her. I'm like you could have put her on a bus and sent her away and <laughs> you know like I just I just felt like it was kind of mean spirited, you know. <laughs> like you really yeah, dislike I mean, her well, that much? Yeah, give Jerry Conway some credit. He was 19 when he wrote it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean <laughs> I I, I, don't I don't disagree. Know. I mean, it is a fridging of a character, and you know that's you know n uh, never good. Um, I, I think ultimately, it ends up at least for me being worth it for the end of issue one twenty two and the Mary Jane sequence, where she returns to console Peter, right, and it enriches that character character in that moment in such a profound way i think with hindsight it's um a really powerful moment i mean uh look this the poor stacy family just got the crap beat out of them in in, in the late 60s and 70s spider-man comics but um you know, I, I do think it is kind of a watershed moment in comics in regards to like, no one is safe. Spider-Man's world is safe, is, is unsafe. And uh, I think it really establishes like that whole, like why his secret identity is important in a way 
that no comic up to that point had really done. I mean, yes, like you have like the Green Goblin threatening Aunt May in in issue thirty nine or right. thirty eight, you know. Um, but uh, I I don't know when someone dies, it like makes it very definitive, like what the consequences of Peter's actions as Spider Man can be. Right. Um, so I do think it has thematic value beyond just shock value of we killed your girlfriend. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I, it's just that my issue is with the motivation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. This, this, and you know, I mean, forgive me, Jerry Conway, if you ever listen to this, but this petty motivation is what led to all of this. And, and that it, in some ways just blows my mind. You know, it's like, Okay, you know, like this is a decision that ended an age and yes, it enriched um other characters and it it brought home it drove home a lot of very important themes. He still did it because he didn't like her, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I I I don't disagree. I mean, like but although personally I find the Gwen Stacy character very boring in in the comics, like the like she she gets a lot of like uh, post death rosy mem- memorials of how rich of a character she was, mm-hmm. but she was a way less interesting character than Mary Jane. Like just flat out, you know. Like uh, so, you know, if it were up to me, I would have thrown her off the bridge too. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but um. I mean, you know, with that said, too, you you can make the argument that Gwen Stacy has, uh, especially in the last 10 years, like she's she's kind of gotten the last laugh in terms of like she's she's had kind of a, a resurgence. If it's even if it's not technically the same Gwen Stacy, it is still Gwen Stacy, you know, the I mean, yeah, it, it is Gwen Stacy but in a very abstract way. I mean, the mm-hmm. character bears no resemblance to she bears more resemblance to like ultimate Gwen Stacy than she does to like, who was like a punk rock girl. Yeah. Then, then like the Gwen Stacy of the 1960s comics, who was like a, like who was like a Republican, like like (laughs) she was like, uh, like really into like, uh, like, uh, like, you know, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, she wanted to like fit in. Like she was not like a, she was a conformist. Like a head. Yeah. She was a conformist. That's okay. the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, she was smart and intelligent and like, uh, I guess like headstrong, but she wasn't like a, like countercultural person, you know, like there, there are like issues where she like is kind of like a proto fascist. Uh, you know, like in, in her political beliefs. Right. So, I mean, like that's a bit unfair to her, but, um, she was kind of hoodwinked by a politician, but like, oh, yeah, she's not the like kind of counterculture character that like all these other adaptations have made her into, you know, I, I think a lot of that honestly comes from like the Emma Stone interpretation of, of Gwen, which is kind of more like Mary Jane than, than she is like Gwen. And so ultimately I tend to think like most modern Gwen stuff is really just a like refashioned Mary Jane in, in, in many ways. But um, yeah, she's had the last laugh. Um, And I, I, I I appreciate that across the spider verse, 
brings in more of the Gwen Stacy elements to oh, yeah. mm-hmm. her story. Whereas like into the Spider-Verse, they don't even bother introducing her that she's Gwen Stacy. They just say she's just Spider-Woman and her name's Gwen. Uh, and like if you're in the know, I bet there's a ton of people that watched into the Spider-Verse and did not put two and two together that that's Gwen Stacy, um, the girlfriend who died. You know. Oh, but I'm sure um, plenty of those uh, those people who saw the movie had friends like you and me who were like, "Oh no, no, no hold on, let me tell you who this is." Oh, you know, because because I yeah, that was well, I write me. I write those articles for the Hollywood Reporter, and trust me, <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm the guy, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, I I always I always whenever whenever you mention that you've got another uh, article out for them, I always try to go find it and read it. So. Uh, very 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 cool very cool so yeah all right well i um i think this has been a pretty good and a pretty wide-ranging discussion um we're uh we're very good at 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 creating tangents and everything so (laughs) but um but i mean honestly I, i i think that a lot of the a lot of the stories that we have discussed i mean maybe not all of them fit this but as as a as someone who is a, a librarian, you, you know, I'm always interested in trying to get people to read, even if it's not Spider-Man. But, um, you know, these stories, a lot of them are stories that I could say, maybe not a starting point, but if you want a good idea of the character or, you know, characters in his orbit, like coming around at their finest, like here are some of the stories you could read. Um, and, uh, you know, as again, again, I'm just going to jump back to one more day real quick. I mean, you know, that's a story I do not like, but I will not deny that it is very iconic. So, well, I mean, I, I got into reading Spider-Man comics because of like those best of books they used to put out. And I, I, I do wish they would, everything is collected sequentially now i you know i would love to get some more books that are just like here's a few stories throughout the history that could get you into it you know uh that's what i read and you know included in there were like spider-man no more you know the kid who collects all things we've talked about today and i i knew about like every decade of the character from a book like that and i just don't see marvel putting out anything like that um It'd be really anymore, nice so. if they would. Yeah, no, it, uh, yeah. I, and, and I'm sure, it, I'm sure people like you and I would definitely buy something like that. And I'm pretty sure there are enough people out there who would be like, oh, this is like a different iconic or, you know, awesome story from, from each decade. Like, I'm pretty sure that that would have a pretty strong market if they decided to take that risk. So, but I, I kind of agree with you. I don't see them doing that. Oh, but man, one can wish, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I just wish kids had the opportunity to read the stuff in the way that I did, you know. But there is always the, like digital stuff, and uh, like Marvel Unlimited is an incredible resource. You oh know, yeah. If you if you can even begin to figure out how to navigate it, um, which if I was like a newcomer, I don't know that I could. But it, I mean, it's okay um, on a phone at least. But you know, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, there are occasional issues. I think I wrote them once because I was looking for a very specific Doc Ock story and it wasn't in there. And I was like, 
why do you not have Spider-Man Unlimited number three? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is funny because now I have that comic and it's actually framed uh, behind me here. It's probably impossible to see, but there are three pictures right there and it's the middle yeah. one. Um, yeah, so. I was going to guess that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I just, I just want to say thank you for, uh, for coming onto the podcast. I had a lot of fun and, um, you know, I, I'm probably going to do more segments like this. The, uh, I'm, I'm calling it Spidey Reads where we talk specifically about the comics and the stories in them and everything. So, um, if you ever want to, uh, ramble about Spider-Man stories with me, agree, you are of course welcome, uh, to come back. So, but, well, uh, I appreciate the invite. I had a great time, and uh, obviously, I wish you and the show the best of luck. And I uh, uh, can't wait to share you with my uh, my crowd over at Amazing Spider Talk. So, um, thanks for having me, Tony. Oh, absolutely! And thanks for thanks for coming on. Take care. And I believe that brings us to the end of the segment, and therefore the end of the show. Uh, once again, my sincere thanks to Dan for coming onto my plucky little podcast and being such an engaging guest. Hopefully you had as much fun listening to our talk as we had in making it happen. If you enjoyed this episode of The Webline, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on my YouTube channel, simply named Spidey Librarian, where the podcast is live-streamed regularly and where I maintain a playlist of the live streams. The Webline is also available on audio services, so when you see us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or another such service, please leave us a review and rating, and if you can, follow us. You can find me on my socials under the name Spidey Librarian on Threads, Instagram, WordPress, and Twitch. Finally, if you'd like to shoot me an email, you can contact me at spideylibrarian at gmail.com, where I'll be happy to hear your thoughts, rants, and ideas. Who knows? Your email might be featured in an upcoming episode. Dan, my wondrous guest for today's episode, is active on Twitter under the handle at SUP Spider Talk, S-U-P-S-P-I-D-E-R-T-A-L-K, and his own Spider-Man podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, which he co-hosts with Mark Giannacchio, is available on YouTube and many of the same podcast services as the webline. I'll have links to the YouTube channel and some of the podcast services in the show notes and the live stream description. Be sure to join us next Sunday on the webline where I'll be teaming up with my friend and webcomics creator Isaiah Broussard for another character deep dive. The subject will be the star of the animated Spider-Verse films himself, Miles Morales. Thank you for listening, and until the next episode, I'll be wishing you a good day. <laughs>